You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. I'm feeling like I got a lot of things to do. Um, there are so many different things that, I, that are going on, and uh, quite honestly, I think at the end of the day, it's so easy to get so busy that at the end of the day, you start thinking, "Wait a second, did I uh, did I have my time with God today?" Um, to think. Three days later, down the line, wait, did I have a quiet time this week? Wait, what's going on? And uh, I think this summer has been a summer for me that where that has happened um, no, a number of times, where I have just kind of gone, I've been getting busy, and like, I got stuff to do, I got to get these folders together, I got to get this ready, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second, I, I didn't have my time with God. And what I've noticed is that when I don't have my time with God, uh, I get edgy. It's hot, it's sticky, uh, you don't have uh, the spirit walking with you or whatever, you just sound like, man, I'm just, I'm just out here having conversations with people, blowing, blowing people away, you know. Uh, I get into a conversation with someone, and I'm just kind of like, man, whatever, you know. Um, I'm edgy with my wife. She's like, do you want, you know, mashed potatoes or macaroni? I'm like, uh, whatever you want, you know, I don't care. You know, I can get, I'm just edgy with the college students. Um, I can find myself just kind of drifting into an unspiritual tone with people when I'm not having my time with God. Can you guys relate to me at all with that? Anybody? Anybody relate with me? You don't got to raise your hand. You can just, in your heart, you can just feel that uh, with me. Um, so uh, for me to get back on track, because you kind of get off track after you do that. You know, a couple times a week, you get off a track and you kind of just feel like, how do I get back on track? How do I, how do I kind of just enjoy my relationship with God? Um, and uh, for me, it's, you know, I, I just can't just pick up a book and start reading it and that just turns me back, you know what I'm saying, or helps me get back to where I need to be. Uh, I have to start reading the Proverbs. So I just started reading the Proverbs, one at a time, just reading, reading, just cranking through them. And uh, each, pro- each proverb that comes through, I just get super excited. I'm all fired up. Um, proverbs talk about how, how to be a man of God. Uh, ones that talk about how to deal with certain situations, uh, how to treat your wife, how to view your wife. Uh, proverbs that talk about how to speak to people. Um, and I, I just get really fired up. And there was a few times where I just had to go to Sigma Hill and, uh, and just pray because I'm just like, dude, I got to really pray because my heart is just so scattered right now. And um, I think uh, I'll, after that, after I kind of do that, I, I have to pick something to study so I can stay on track. Uh, so I started picking a few things to study. I was like, you know what, I'm going to study out zeal. Uh, I started studying out zeal, which is an incredible study. I, I really encourage you guys, if you're just feeling kind of like, you know, womp, and you're, you know, walk with God, you just, maybe you want to pick up a, a book on zeal and, uh, and study it out a little bit, you know, because that really helped me out a ton. Um, but today, our study, we're going to be studying out uh, deep conviction, Okay. Uh, we're going to be studying out deep conviction and talking about what does it mean to dig a deep conviction from the scriptures. Amen. I'm going to say a quick prayer and we'll get right into it. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much uh, just for uh, the fact that you call us sons and daughters, that you love us so much, um, that, that you have given us a place of refuge um, beneath your wings. Um, God, that uh, you've given us your word to guide us, to minister to our souls, um, and help our hearts um, navigate this very corrupt world. Um, Lord, we're so grateful uh, just for the idea of having deep convictions. We know that the world needs deep convictions. God, you have put people in our lives that have had deep convictions, and they have changed the way we viewed things. They have been immovable about their beliefs. And Lord, please help us continue to grow in this and become this in our own hearts. God, I want to pray 
that we are willing to suffer, that we are willing to wait and persevere and not change with the tide of society, but stand firm in your word. God, grant us all a coolness today as we sit or, uh, or as we speak. God, I pray that you help us just really hold on to your words. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, God, he wants um, a personal conviction in all of us. He does not want robotic followership. God wants all of us to truly believe in what we read. He wants it deep in our bones. He wants us to be fully persuaded. He doesn't want us just to, just to simply obey. He really wants you to believe. That's something that God definitely wants from all of us. You know, so I would ask myself, you know, how do we dig deep convictions? What are some of the steps that it takes to dig deep convictions? And uh, this was a question that I kind of would ask uh, during my quiet time. During my time and just studying this thing out here. What does it take to dig deep convictions? And if you are studying the Bible today, uh, this is your first time coming out, um, this is what our church is really about. It's about looking into the Word of God and wrestling with the Word of God. Not wanting the Word of God to, uh, to obey us or to agree with us, but for us to be challenged by the Word of God and to listen to it wholeheartedly and to really figure out what does God say how we should live our lives here on earth. And that's what, really what we're about. The whole point of the Bible study series, if you're studying the Bible, is to dig into the Word of God and to develop truths that are going to stand firm in your heart for a lifetime. You know, I studied the Bible when I was 16 years old. And I would often think, you know, can I make a decision at 16 years old to follow God for the rest of my life? And I don't even know what life is really about yet. And I tell you, when you read the Word of God and you are soothed by the Word of God and you feel God's presence around you, it makes you feel like I can do anything. I can do anything that is thrown my way, anything that happens in my life. I can challenge it. I can take it head on. And it's because of what God has given all of us. And that's conviction. If you've been a disciple for years, you know, we are called to grow in increasing measure our convictions about our discipleship. This is something that God calls us to do. If we look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. You know, building deep conviction prevents us from being ineffective and unproductive. Let's read. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You know, it says we continue to grow in who we are as disciples and in our knowledge, in our discipleship, in our conviction that we will not be ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge about Jesus Christ. How many of us, I mean, just feel ineffective and unproductive at times? You know, I can easily just feel like, man, I am the most unproductive soul on the face 
of the earth. There was a time in my, when I was, you know, I was, I was a young, like, I think like a, last year. You guys probably heard the story. Um, but I was just playing video games a lot. I loved video games. You know, uh, I think that in our generation, you know, any guy that's probably 25 and under, uh, they're playing, wow, 2K, you know, 20, whatever. Uh, in a, uh, what is it? Uh, Madden 2017 or whatever. They're playing these games. Uh, there were, some of them are playing Destiny. Some of them are playing Smash Brothers. Uh, some of them are playing so many different games. And for me, I just loved it. I grew up with video games. Since I was like six years old, I was playing Nintendo, uh, playing the Sega, uh, playing Dreamcast, all these different things. And I tell you the truth, uh, I felt like I was the best or that I could put enough energy into this to become the best. I would play people and I would beat them no matter what happened or whatever situation came my way. And I just felt like this is awesome. I'm a champion. I'm a digital champion. I will say that uh, there have been a few guys that have given me a run for my money. Greg Cruz has given me a run for my money. Anthony Anaris has given me a run for my money before. Those are a few of the guys, if, if you've also given me a run for my money, that, or if you feel like you did and I, I didn't say your name, then amen. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I know Brent, he, he's played me too before. Uh, but it's so easy to get so caught up in this idea of, of being a digital champion. Or some of us, we may be on Facebook and we're writing posts and blogs and, and we are just blog champions. And we're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just crushing this. This is where I met. And then your bills come, and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> I took that whole day off to play this game. Oh, no. Or I, I, I didn't get that assignment done. Or I, I, I didn't get this done. Oh, my goodness. I have wasted my time. And for me, it was so easy to just kind of feel very ineffective and unproductive. And it's funny because as a minister, that, 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 I feel like that, that's kind of my job sometimes, right? That I, I am put in certain situations to, pres- to produce a certain result. That I am here to grow the campus ministry. I am here to help people stay faithful. I am there to make sure that this person has water or that person gets this. You know, I can feel like that's my job. How can I be ineffective and unproductive in my job? And it's so awesome to have the grace of God with us and to have the scriptures with us. But it's so cool that, that we, we have laid out for us a perfect outline of what it means to be effective and what it means to be productive. And how do we build that as Christians? Amen. You know, I've seen seasons in the campus ministry where, uh, you know, I just feel like you just can't stop me. I'm on campus. I'm sharing my faith. People are coming out and they get baptized. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm on campus, someone's, you know, persecuting the way. I stand up, and I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> get behind us, Satan. You know, I can kind of feel like there are seasons where I'm just like, you just cannot stop me. I'm unstoppable. And then there are seasons where I just feel like, man, like, <laughs> what is wrong with me? I just can't get anything right. I'll go a season where my D times are just kind of like, do, 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 do. That means you're just getting the deal, you know, every single time. You're just kind of like... You feel like you got everything, you're going everything, and it's like, oh, wait, you forgot to do this, or you didn't do that. That didn't happen that way. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I think it's, those seasons come when I, when I kind of put the ladder before me, and I say, you know what, like, I don't, I'm not really for having goodness and knowledge and, and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection. That's kind of not where I, where I was at in those seasons. But God has given us the scriptures to show us what it means to be effective. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you 
Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You know, here Paul is writing this letter and he's telling them, guys, this is how you are going to be productive. This is how you're going to be fruitful. This is how you're going to advance the gospel. This is how you're going to be a good Christian. Okay? It's because the gospel, it has power. Your times with God, it has power. The Holy Spirit will guide you and it has power. But you also need to have deep conviction. You have to have this unsettling conviction that you're not just tossed around like, 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 like the waves of the ocean. That you're not just going the way that the media tells you to go. That you're not just thinking that, you know what, this is the right way because the majority rules. That's not who we are as a people. God has, asked, has called his people to develop, to work on, to go after your own personal convictions. Are you guys with me? You know, that, the Greek word here that, God, that, that the scriptures use, um, when, when you look in the Greek for conviction, it's the same word that translates right into full assurance. This idea of, of being so convinced and so convicted that there is nothing that can change your mind about it. I mean, the first century church, that church was growing. It was exploding. It was doing such incredible things. And people were looking at the Christians and they were saying, these people are willing to die for their faith. They are willing to, they, they will not deny the way. Their families are being dragged away. Their families are being murdered, thrown into the lion's cage, in the Colosseum, being flogged. I mean, I don't know about you, but there is nothing on this earth that will make me say, you know what? I believe in this so much, I am willing to let my wife be dragged away. I'm willing to let my son be dragged away. Except for Jesus. Except for the gospel. We've got to have a deep conviction about these things. God calls us, Jesus calls his followers to follow him, not just in life, but to follow him also into death. And this isn't just a mantra. This is the reality of the situation. So, um, oh, no, no. All right, let's go back here. Double click that. Can you guys go back for me? Just, yeah, there you go. Thank you so much, bro. Sound team is just on point. I love those guys. They are awesome. Um, but back in 1938, uh, right before World War II, uh, there was a 29-year-old man who was a stockbroker in London. Uh, his name is Nicholas Winton. And uh, he had had an incredible, you know, return on his money. He had had so many things go on, and he made so much money that year that he decided it was a few months before World War II was about to break out, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go on a vacation. I'm going to get the whole family, and we're going to we're gonna go to the Swiss, the Swiss Alps. We're going to go hang out. We're going to go ski. We're going to have a, a, a grand old time. And as he was making preparations for his family to go to the, uh, to the Swiss Alps, uh, he gets a call from a friend in Czechoslovakia. Say that five times fast. He gets a call from a friend to Czechoslovakia and says, hey, Nick, I need you to come down to Prague. I need your help on something. 
he's just sitting there like, I'm about to go on vacation. Help with something. I'm about to take the wife. I'm about to go skiing. And uh, if you know anything about the war, you know, um, Nazi Germany, they had just taken over uh, Czechoslovakia. And the writing was on the wall. They were building death camps. They were getting everything ready. And uh, the one thing that they, they allowed the Czech to do was go ahead and let their kids uh, be taken by other people. So all the adults had to stay in Czechoslovakia, but the kids can be taken. An untold amount of kids can be taken. No matter who, who, who it is, you have to be able to take them, though. They have to have adults. Supervision. And so Nicholas, he says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go down. I'm going to go to where my friend is. I'm going to go to Prague. He, he got a hotel. He set up his, um, his office in a hotel. And he starts, starts looking for ways to get these children out of the country. Because he knows what's about to happen. He sees it. Uh, as he's there, um, you know, he starts sending word to other countries. He sends word to the United States, asks them, hey, can you guys take a few of these children? Can you just put them in foster care or something? Can you please help us? The United States says, no, we're not going to get involved. He sends word to other countries in the U.K., asks them, hey, can you, guys, can you guys please take these people, take these children? They're children, for crying out loud. Please help us. And they say, no, we can't. Only two countries were able to take children. That was Switzerland. Another one, not Switzerland. <laughs> That was Sweden and England. Those are the two countries that were able to take people, take children. They said, but on condition, they have to have a family. You have to find them a family to live with, and you have to give them 50 pounds, which back in 1938, 50 pounds translates to about roughly about $4,000. So you have to give each one of these kids $4,000 for their travel and their return back home once the war is over. And so he's like, you know what, we'll find a way. So he sacrificed he gave up so much, and at the end of the day, he found out uh, a way to, to, make, to help 669 children get out of Czechoslovakia. And uh, that was just a thing that he just did. He didn't tell anybody about it, didn't even tell his wife about it, but he found a way to get 669 kids out of the country. That's about $2.6 million worth of fundraising and families that he had to find, 669 families to find, to take these children. And um, his, he, he finally told his wife, 40 years later, after she found the ledger with all these kids' names on it. And uh, she sends it to the BBC, which is basically like a television broadcasting uh, out in uh, Britain. And uh, they end up airing a, a segment on this man. And I have a clip of the, of the segment today right here for us.
the documentary said those 669 kids now have children. They now have grandchildren. And uh, the total number of people that owe their life to this man is about 15,000 people. Because he decided to say, you know what? This is what's happening in the Czechoslovakia. What's happening and what Nazi Germany is doing is absolutely wrong. I need to stand up. I have to say something. I have to do something. He fundrose $2.6 million and got them out of the country. And the effects were monumental. They just kept adding up. 15,000 people now owe their lives to this man who actually gave his heart to these children at that age. His conviction on what needed to happen changed thousands of people's lives. And deep conviction advances the gospel today. It is the only thing that will help advance the gospel. If the church does not have a deep conviction about what God is saying, about what God does, there is no way that the church moves forward. Men and women must have conviction on the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, it says, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you don't, if you, it says, but if you do not have these things and they are not growing inside of you, if we are not developing these things, if we're not growing in our perseverance as Christians, the Bible says that we are nearsighted and blind, that we forget our past sin and what we've been forgiven of. I think it's so important for us to really understand the magnitude of the scripture here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Jesus. And he, was, and he tells me that, man, you've been nearsighted and blind. You've lived your life in a nearsighted and blind way. Because you have not had conviction in these matters. You have not added to your faith goodness. You have not been growing in your godliness. You know, yesterday I was at Home Depot. And a uh, pretty interesting, you know, thing. I, w- I was trying to go wash windows uh, to encourage my wife. So, uh, you know, like the windows, they get super dusty every now and then. I don't know what's going on or why that happens, but I'm pretty sure it's like rain and just dust and wind. Um, but it, they, were, they were just dirty. And I was like, you know what? My wife, she loves opening the windows. And when we look out, it's this dirty window. And I'm like, we just got to clean this. So I go to Home Depot. First I go out and I try to clean it myself, but then I couldn't reach it. Even with my long arms, I just could not reach all the way to the top. I'm just trying to hit it. Um, so I go to Home Depot and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go grab me a window washer and just wash these windows for my wife. And, um, and so I go to Home Depot to do that. And I come out of Home Depot after grabbing all the materials, and I got this note on my car. On my car, and I was driving my wife's car, which is like a little blue, like blue car, you know. And uh, the note was this super inappropriate note, asking like, you know, something super inappropriate. And they put their number down, and I'm like, what the heck is this? What is going on? And I ball it up, and I just throw it away, and I'm like, what, what is going on here? It was something along the lines like, oh, you're cute, we should hook up. And I'm like, no, what is this? <laughs> the heck? And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I started thinking about it on my drive home, and I'm like, you know what, like, it's crazy because I, I remember a time in my life where I would have probably called that number. I remember a time in my life where I would have said, you know what, like, I, I, I probably would have called. I, I probably would have reached out. And I think about that, and I'm like, man, you know what? I, 
it's so, I'm so grateful that God has allowed me to continue to build this idea of being a godly man, to honor that, to say, you know what, no, like, I'm, I'm a man of God. How dare this person put this? And that was kind of my first reaction. Then I was like, I'm pretty proud of myself, you know? Like, I don't know, I guess it's probably self-righteousness or whatever, but, you know, I, I felt like it was really, really, you know, a really cool moment uh, just to look back and say, you know what, it would have been very hard of a struggle, um, you know what I'm saying, getting something like that on my window. But uh, I just felt like, you know what, it's, it, it, it's, not even a, it's not even close to something that would tempt me today, you know? And so I just think that uh, as we continue to grow, these deep convictions, they end up protecting you. They protect you and your faith. They protect you and your family as you can to, uh, continue to develop deep convictions. If we stop developing deep convictions, we start falling apart spiritually. And it all starts with, you know, you may be busy one week, and all of a sudden you didn't have a quiet time. All of a sudden you, you just stop reading the Word of God. And then you're out of the loop, and you just kind of feel like, you know what, I just can't get back in it. It's kind of hard. Or I don't really agree with what the Bible is saying. And we kind of wrestle with it, but we don't really wrestle with it. We just kind of like say we're wrestling with it. We don't really study things out. This is all how it starts. But, man, I tell you, every time that we get an opportunity to study the word of God out, if we're challenged with something, man, it just increases your faith. It increases your fortitude in the word of God. And it allows you to become a stronger disciple of Jesus. Having deep convictions also prevent us from being immature. Hebrews 5, verse 12. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not adequate with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I love this passage. This passage for me just speaks to me because I know that it is up to me to build my faith. And I think all of us have to have this as a conviction that it is up to you to build your faith. It is up to you to have a conviction about where your family sits when it comes to the faith. It is up to you to have a conviction about training yourselves and training others and having faith that will continue throughout generations. This has to be a conviction of disciples. You know, the author here, he's saying, man, look, there is a time where you ought to be a teacher. And I think some of us here sitting today, there is a time, and some of us ought to be teachers by now. Some of us, we ought to be people that are out preaching the word of God right now. But we need some help. Because we're still drinking milk. We're not, we're not with the solid food yet. Maybe we're, we're just we're looking at the Bible and we're saying, you know what, I, I feel like I've read this whole thing. But you can't even remember if you read it or not. Maybe you're looking at the scriptures and you're like, I don't know if I believe all of this. I kind of believe a little bit of it. But you're not ready to be a teacher. You may want to be a teacher, but you're not ready. Jesus, I mean, the, the, the scriptures here are saying, man, look, you need solid food if you're going to mature. If you're going to be using the word of God to consistently train yourselves, I know when I'm out of whack. When I start reading the Bible, I know I get out of whack. I start yelling at people. I'll snap on my wife. I'll snap and I'm like, oh, snap, I just snapped. 
oh, no. I'm sorry, honey. Is, what, what can I? I'm sorry. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I look at what people are doing, and I can become judgmental in my heart. I know when I am out of whack. When I'm not, even when if I'm reading the Bible, and I'm just glazed through. I'm just kind of reading it just to read it. If I'm not reading it to get something out of it and to grow from it, man, I'm telling you, I'm not growing. And there have been times where I can easily slip back into drinking milk. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of lactose intolerant. I need solid food. I cannot survive on milk. Milk helps build strong bones. Hey, man, that's good. That's awesome. Not for me. I need some steak. Back in the campus ministry, we used to call them steakies. And we used to go to Vons and we'll get these little steaks and we'll throw them on the grill and we'll eat some steakies. So we need some steakies in the fellowship. We need some protein. We need some stuff that's going to really make us chew. But sometimes we really want things to be easy, don't we? I tell you now, man, I know that some of you have gone through much rougher times than I have. But as I continue to get older, I just feel like things are not getting easier. They're not. I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm waking up and I'm like, dude, I got to actually go do something right now. I woke up on Friday. I woke up with Brian Plymel because, you know, for me, I'm like, you know, I wake up early, you know, 630, have my quiet time, read my Bible. I love it. It's awesome. And then I'm like, hey, Brian, can we uh, pray together before you go to work? And he's like, yeah, we, sh- we sure could. You want to meet me at 440? And I'm like, dude, I just hit rim at 440. What you mean? And I'm like, dude, I can meet you at 440. Let's go. I get up, and my alarm goes off, and I'm like, ugh. I'm like shell-shocked. I'm like, oh, oh. Like, anything is scaring me. I'm just frightened to death. But I go, and I meet up with Brian. I'm like, I'm trying, I try to get bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So I'm just, come on, Brian, do this. You know, Brian comes out in his shorts, and he got some weights. He's like, here you go. I'm like, oh. I want the fives, bro. I'm too, it's too early to be doing this. And we go on this, we go on this little like route. Like he calls it, calls it his little circuit that he does with Papa Joe. And he do this circuit. And I'm like sitting there and we're just, you know, talking and we start praying. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. And then I get home at 5.30 and I'm like, what, what, what else am I going to do? Uh, have another quiet time? I don't know. <laughs> no. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I went back to sleep, man. <laughs> I knocked. I was like, forget this, man. I went to sleep out on the couch. I was like, forget that mess. But I tell you, man, it's so important because building deep convictions keep us from being immature. And I, I told Brian, I was like, Brian, I want to keep doing this every week with you. Because I know that I have to continue to stretch myself. I have to continue to grow. I have to continue to pursue this. Not because I'm a minister, but because I'm a disciple of Jesus. Because I'm a Christian. I need to stretch myself. I'm 26 years old. I'm like, I need to go get up at 440 to go pray with an older man in the faith just so I can get some wisdom and some help. I just need that. How many of us are really sacrificing and giving our hearts to the process? So how do we get deep convictions? Never stop studying the word of God. We have to get to a place where we're ne- we just do not stop. There is nothing that stops us. Nothing. You get up as early as you need to to go ahead and say, you know what, I need to read the word of God. I tell you right now, when I go and I try to get the extra hour of sleep, or I try to stay, and I, you know, I, I stay awake and I try to get the extra hour of sleep or whatever, 
I find myself, I, I don't really have productive days anyways. I wake up early and I try to read my Bible and it's too late. I, and, and I still feel grumpy. I still feel tired. I feel restless. I can feel anxious. I can feel like, man, everyone is talking about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can just start feeling stuff because I'm not having my time with God. But you got to understand that when you have your time with God, that is what's going to refresh you. Only in the word of God are you going to be refreshed. That's the only reason why I even feel comfortable preaching. And it's like 100 degrees in here. Because I know that the word of God, as we read it, it continues to refresh the soul. Amen? We, never, we can never stop reading the word of God. Psalms 119, 1 through 176. We're not going to read it. <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, this will be a good passage. Nah. But the psalm is here. In the campus ministry, I think in the church in general, this is like a, 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 one of the, when you're studying the Bible, this is something that we get people to study and just say, read this. Why? Well, because the psalmist, his heart is all about God's word. I mean, he's like infatuated with the word of God. And it inspires us. Here, I'm going to read a portion of kind of one of my favorite portions here. There's multiple portions because it's like 176. But in verse 10 through 14, it says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands, God. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Man, that just fires me up. It encourages me to know that if I hide God's word in my heart, I don't have to worry about money. I don't got to worry about where my next paycheck is going to come from. I don't got to worry about what's going to happen to my family. I don't have to worry about this because God is going to take me and he's going to hold me and he's going to help me. God is going to be my great redeemer. He's going to be the one that I, I sit on the wings of and he just helps me soar. It's only through God. It is not through your own wisdom that you are going to become an effective and, and productive person. It's not going to happen. You think that, oh, if I just continue to build my knowledge, I'll be productive. In no, you've got to add to your knowledge. Goodness, godliness, perseverance, self-control. There are things you must add to it. You cannot be the smartest person in the room and think because you know the whole Bible, you're going to go to heaven. Jesus says, hey, look, even though people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not go drive out demons and, 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 and do many miracles in your name? Lord, did I not do these things for you? And he says, away from me, you evil doer. I know the whole Bible, you evil doer. What? It's in the Bible. It's there. You need to read it. But that convicts me every time because I know just because I'm a minister, just because I'm a, I'm a man of God or, or I come to church every single Sunday, just because I serve and I give and I do things and I, I rip and run for the church, doesn't mean I have a gold pass into heaven. I don't get the golden ticket because all of a sudden I'm the most spiritual guy because I'm running around doing things. That's not what happens. It is this deep fellowship with Jesus that's going to help me get there because Jesus is the only one that's going to help you get in. I want you to think about this. I want you to consider this. Consider a hundred years in heaven. What are you doing? 
You probably never thought about that. I meditate on these things. I, I sit there and I'll just not say anything and I'll think about what is it like to be 100 years in heaven. And I'll think and I'm like, man, I'll probably be doing something that I love to do, like some type of work. Like I'll, I'll, I'll probably be like fashioning wood or, or putting together something or, or gardening or something. I really love to do those things. I don't, know, I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was the farm days or whatever. But I love doing those things. I love putting things together and reconstructing and building things. And I'll probably do something like that. And I just imagine all of us doing that together, doing whatever we like to do in our own little corners. And then Jesus just kind of walks, walks through. Hey, hey, what's up, Greg? Hey, now. I'm just thinking like, whoa, what would I, would I, ha- what would I say to Jesus in that time? Obviously, now we've been around to each other for a couple, couple years now. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And I, I think about those things. I'm like, man, I really want to be able to have awesome conversations with Jesus in heaven, wherever that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be in the clouds or if we're going to be in some new garden or new Jerusalem. I don't know, but I know that I want to be there. <laughs> that's just the reality of the situation. And not because I don't want to go to hell, but because I really want to be with God. Maybe this thing is low batteries or what? That's not my smooth, bro. All right. No? Back to the last one, bro. There. Yep. Okay, sweet. So, last point here. Let's do Let's do this. I'm sweating. This is the first time I've ever sweat so hard in my life. I'm just profusely sweating here. Whew. All right. So, never stop obeying wholeheartedly. Something else we can do in order to build a very strong conviction. Never stop obeying God. Where's that at? Just go with it. Is this thing working? All right, sweet. First John chapter 2, verse 5. It says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is an upward calling for us. I think about this passage and I'm like, man, the Bible calls me to live like Jesus lived. Well, oh gosh, I mean, how did Jesus live? What, what, what did Jesus do on a day-to-day basis? How was his connection with God? How was his connection with people? What was his interactions like? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus or more and more like myself? Which kind of sounds weird. What am I really doing when it comes to this stuff? You know, um, how many of you guys have ever seen A Few Good Men? I love that movie. Really awesome movie. Uh, you know, one of the most, uh, most, you know, famous quotes out there. What is it? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> he says, you want to know the truth? You can't handle the truth. And he just goes off, you know, the, the star or general, whatever he was there. You know, he goes off or whatever. And I, it, it's, it's a, it, it was such an awesome quote. And it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you can't even handle the truth. Who are you th- what do you think you're doing, son? You know, I think some of us, we read the Bible, and we struggle and we wrestle to obey God. We struggle and we wrestle with this idea of what the truth really is. We can't handle the truth sometimes, to be honest. It's easy to, 
to say Jesus is Lord, but it's hard 20 years down the line when opportunities come up that will greatly advance who you are and say, you know what? No, I can't do that. Because the word of God, that's what, I, that, that, that's what motivates me. That's what drives my life. You know, where are you at when it comes to obeying Jesus? Where are you at when it comes to obeying the word of God? Where are you at personally when it comes to walking with Jesus? I know for me, um, when it comes to loving the word of God, uh, I used to be very, very good at scripture memory. I used to have this app called Bible Mind. And what it is is an app that you can kind of just like uh, put a scripture on and um, you can flip it and you can, it'll, te- it'll teach you how to memorize the scripture. It'll like do like, you know, fill in the blank, uh, type it all the way out, you know, flashcards, trip, all this different stuff or whatever. It's a really awesome app. I still have it. Um, but, you know, a couple years ago, I used, I, I used to use this all the time. Just go through it, just pounding this, this app, going through it all the time. And one thing that I realized was that as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten further away from the Bible. I've gotten further away from memorizing scriptures. And I think I, I would be in an appointment sometimes, and I've, I've relied so heavily on technology, on, you know, my iPhone or my, my computer or whatever. I'll be in the middle of an appointment, and then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, I will think of, oh, there's a scripture that says this. What's that scripture? And I, I, I memorized it before. What is it? Is it in like 1 Corinthians? Is it in Colossians? Where is this scripture? It's one of the C's. Second Corinthians, maybe. No, that's not it. Hmm. Galatians. Oh, there it goes. Galatians. That's what it was. You know what I'm saying? But uh, very innocently, with a really good heart, I can easily just re- rely too heavily on technology. And when we read the Bible, people, they, they always talk about how they've had the word of God on their hearts. And I think as we get older as disciples and as Christians or even if you're, if you're first starting out, I'm going to tell you, it's really easy to first start out and have thousands of flashcards and just ripping through them on your lunch break and be very zealous for the word of God. But as you get older, it's so easy to get to this point where it's like, you know what? I got this. I can go into any situation and be ready. I got my iPad. Yeah, what's up? You know what I'm saying? But so what I had, one thing that I did, I started to practice is that when I have my quiet times, I do not use technology. I might listen to music, but that's about it. And it can't be music with words in it. And so what I do, if I'm looking for a scripture, I look for it. I don't, I don't Google it. I go to the back in the reference, and I look for the scripture that I'm looking for, and I try to find it. I underline it. I highlight it. And I, and I keep trying to think about scriptures that I, I do this with. And this is like a, this is like a renewing of my, of my heart for the word of God. I want to encourage you guys that as you go on in your days that you you continue to think about what does it mean to do this, to obey his word. His love for God is truly made complete in those who obey it, not just read it, not just simply, you know, go out and talk to people about doing it. But if you are obeying it in your own heart. And uh, in closing, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus here. In John chapter 15, man, I'm like, like drenched up here. I need to get off this stage. Let you guys in what I'm thinking here. Uh, in verse 1, it says, I am the, the, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
While every branch that does bear fruit, is he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and in you, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is, he's very like choice with his words. He's not mincing words here. He's telling you straight up that if you don't remain in me, meaning like you start off, you start off and you're with Jesus, but if you don't remain in me, and if I don't remain in you, which is also a very important part, you can't do anything. You can't be fruitful. You can't be productive. You can't have conviction. You, can't, you, you, you just can't be a Christian, really, if you do not remain in Jesus. And I want to I, I, I go ahead and say that the ushers are going to come down. They're going to bring communion down here pretty soon. And uh, I want you, as you're taking communion, to think about Jesus. I want you to, as you're, as you're taking your communion, I want you to think way back when you first heard the word of God. Maybe that was 30 years ago. Maybe that was 40 years ago. Maybe that was 10 years ago. Maybe that was yesterday. Maybe someone just invited you out. I want you to think about that moment. I want you to think about the impact that it has made on your life. And I want you to think about the impact that you want to make for the future. In Jesus, remaining in Jesus, what are you going to be capable of? Because I tell you right now that if you don't have conviction about Jesus, you cannot remain in Jesus Christ. Amen? Love you guys. Just going to bring it down. I'm going to pray for communion. Father God, we thank you so much for this time uh, that you have given us to look into your scriptures, to read your word, to look at what it means to follow you wholeheartedly. God, I know we mess up sometimes. I know we can fall, fall down and, 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 and stray away from the word. God, I know that we can get irritated and frustrated Lord, I'm so grateful you don't treat us as our sins deserve. We are so grateful to have you as Lord. Because we know that Thank no you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.